Well, good morning, Chapel family. It's so good to be together once again. And thank you, Katie, for that marvelous song. Fear is gone and love is sure because Christ is mine forevermore. How we need that message uh, in days like these. And these are difficult days for so many people. Quarantines, schools closed, jobs lost, social isolation. There's People are fearful of the coronavirus. They're fearful of dying. Many are even fearful of shopping. Businesses are crumbling. Financial worries abound. Retirement portfolios have tanked. As I was considering where to take us for our next series of studies in such unsettling times, my mind went to chapter 11. No, I wasn't thinking about bankruptcies, but I was thinking about chapter 11 of the book of Hebrews because it's a place of marvelous encouragement. It's a place to turn whether you are fearful or apprehensive or discouraged or even if you're just plain lethargic, lifeless in your walk with Christ. In fact, the entire book of Hebrews was written for uh, for the encouragement of discouraged believers. It's a pep talk to Christians who are ready to quit, a rally cry to troops who are ready to abandon their mission and uh, retreat. In the chapter before Hebrews 11, chapter 10, uh, we discover that these Hebrew or, or Jewish believers had suffered greatly when they first became followers of Jesus Christ. It says back in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 32, but recall the former days when after you were enlightened, you endured a hard struggle with sufferings. It goes on to give examples of the trials that these believers had endured. It says, sometimes being publicly exposed to reproach and affliction and sometimes being partners with those so treated. For you had compassion on those in prison and you joyfully accepted the plundering of your property since you knew that you yourselves had a better possession and an abiding one. Some of these believers had suffered intensely for their faith Others had suffered because they stood with their fellow believers who were suffering. And then they also became victims. These believers, many of them had been humiliated. They had been imprisoned and their property and possessions taken from them. And so now after all that, some of them are apparently on the brink of retreating. They are discouraged in considering returning to Judaism because of all the trials and all the tribulations which they had gone through as Christians. They began to worry and began to think, maybe it's not worth it. And I wonder if we had stood in their sandals, how would we feel? Perhaps we would feel a lot like them. But the writer of Hebrews emphasizes their need and our need as well as believers to remain firm in our faith. As he goes on in in verse 38 of chapter 10, he quotes from the book of Habakkuk where God is speaking and God says, My righteous one 
shall live by faith. God is saying, my people are those who live by faith. And that brings us here to chapter 11, where there's a call for us to live by faith. It's a point we can't miss simply by reading through the, uh, reading through the, the chapter. The words by faith show up about 22 times in this chapter. And that raises a question. If we are to live by faith, then what is faith? There's a lot of ideas, a lot of opinions uh, uh, about what faith is out there. Some people kind of think that faith is just dreams and wishes. It's what we strongly wish or want to be true. Other people think that faith means just being positive. means to hope in hope. Just to say everything's going to work out just fine. Don't worry, man. Be happy. You know, it's other people think that faith is like a force. It's a power that we tap into, and if we simply believe hard enough, believe deep enough, then what we believe will become reality. Those are popular ideas, popular thoughts, but they're not true. It's not, they're not biblical concepts. According to the Bible, what is faith? And that brings us to our passage for this morning. Just the first two verses here of Hebrews chapter 11. It's, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for. The conviction of things not seen. For by it the people of old received their commendation. These two verses explain faith for us. Not so much by giving us a technical definition of what faith is, but rather by giving us a working definition, a description of how a living faith operates, which really is what we actually need. See, we don't need some nuanced theological definition of faith that we tuck away on some dusty spiritual shelf up in our mind that we occasionally pull down and admire. What we do need is we need help putting on the, the overalls of faith, the faith that lives and works in our daily life. So to help us unpack this understanding of faith this morning, I want to draw our focus to three primary nouns that are in this first verse. Now, faith is, the first primary noun in this verse is this, is this noun faith. Faith. The, the Greek word simply means to believe or to trust. So a simple definition of faith is simply to believe, to trust. But there's more here. It says faith is. It's going to go on and tell us more about faith because biblical faith isn't simply just faith in general. It's not faith in anything like some signs and bumper stickers that that are around say. It's not just uh, it's not just have faith. That's a nice warm and fuzzy thought, a warm and fuzzy saying, but it means nothing. Because the question is, faith in what? The Bible, you see, talks about faith in specific. 
And so this verse goes on to show two particular ways that biblical faith is manifested. Two particular ways that biblical faith shows up. It says, faith is, and it takes us to the next noun, the assurance of things hoped for. The second noun is that word assurance. Here, faith is manifested as it relates to what we hope for, what we are looking for, what we're aiming for. Now, some of us might be hoping for a new car, a bigger house, a mansion, a boat, a million dollars, but that's not at all what is in view here when it talks about what we hope for. Context always matters when we study Scripture. Always study the Scripture in the context. And the preceding chapters of Hebrews explain for us what our hope is and what our hope relates to. Uh, Our hope, you see, as we find in Hebrews, is our hope is in the promises that God has made. I'll just go back again to the chapter before, to chapter 10, where there's two of these promises uh, listed for us. It talks about in verse 23, let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who has promised is faithful. He's been talking about how forgiveness of sin is found in Christ alone. And now he says we have a hope that we are saved because God has promised that He forgives and sin and He saves everyone who trusts in Jesus. So the first hope in this chapter that I see is that there's forgiveness of sins. And then a little bit later, down in verses 35 and 37, it says that, uh, therefore do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. For you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised for yet a little while, and the coming one will come and will not delay. Another hope here is our that we have a heavenly future because God has promised that Jesus will return for us, that we will live forever, and that we have a home awaiting us in heaven. And so our hope is in the promises that God has made. And then we have assurance, it says, of that hope. We have confidence is another way that that word assurance can be translated, translated, or it can be translated a guarantee. We, we have that because God has promised and faith believes what God has promised. Faith is confident, it is sure, it is certain that God will do exactly as He has promised. The King James Version translates this verse assurance, or this word assurance, as the word substance. It says, now, faith is the substance of things hoped for. I love that word substance because it brings to my mind the concept of something that I touch, that I feel. You see, when we truly, by faith, embrace God's promise for our future, it literally begins to change everything in our lives. See, the realities of our heavenly hope start to be translated into the daily substance of our life. It begins to reshape our priorities and change our values, erase our fears. 
the second or excuse me third noun in this verse is the word conviction now faith is the assurance of things hoped for the conviction of things not seen this phrase about faith deals with the things that we cannot see the unknowns the doubts the fears Questions about God and faith and life. There's so many things about our Christian faith that we cannot see, that things that we have difficulty understanding. We've never seen God. We haven't seen Jesus. We didn't see Peter. We didn't see John. We never saw the seas part. We didn't see Jesus rise from the dead. How can we believe in such things? That has caused many to wrongly get the idea that our faith is perhaps believing something that we know isn't true. Or uh, as one really bad definition of faith that I read put it, said that faith is the unquestioning belief that does not require proof or evidence. That was actually a, a, a definition I pulled out of a dictionary. In other words, it's saying that faith is a a blind belief, an irrational leap of faith because it it doesn't have any evidence to back it up. It's irrational. And so some people wrongly believe that our faith is just a gullibility, a willingness to believe anything. But that's not at all what our faith is. This word conviction can equally be translated as evidence. And so again, the old King James translation translates this as the evidence of things not seen. In the, the Greek word was a legal term. It described the evidence or the proof that was, was used to bring a conviction. That's why we have it translated here as conviction. Faith, you see, examines the evidence of God's glory and work in creation. Faith examines the evidence of a personal experience. Faith evaluates things that we can observe, things that we can test, things that we can measure. It evaluates the demonstrations and the confirmations of the truth about God and about God's Word that we can see. And then faith, you see, connects the seen to the unseen. And this really is is not an unusual thing. There are all manners of things that we believe in and yet we haven't seen. For example, I've never seen Abraham Lincoln. Nor have I seen the Eiffel Tower. I've not even seen Paris. I've never seen electricity, and yet I believe in all of those things. Why? Well, because I've seen photographs of many of them. I've talked to eyewitnesses who, who have seen the Eiffel Tower in Paris. I've read folks who saw and knew Abraham Lincoln. I've, I've observed elect, the, uh, electricity and how it operates, that it's a power I felt electricity. All of these things convince me that things that are unseen, things I've never seen, are real. 
And likewise, our faith is not a blind faith that exists in a vacuum. What we do see and know and experience about God and about His Word become the evidence that corroborates and gives us the conviction to believe what we cannot see or cannot understand of God about His Word and about His dealings with us. So, the verse, we go on to verse two. There's one more truth here about faith that I want us to see. And it says, for by it, by faith, the people of God, the people, excuse me, of old received their commendation. What we see here is we receive that, we see that faith has a reward. These people of old, they are the subject of the, of the rest of the chapter of Hebrews 11. It's, these are the folks we're going to be reading about over the next number of weeks as we continue in our study. And this chapter lays out for us a brief history of, a brief survey, I should say, of the Old Testament history. This chapter is often called the Hall of Fame of Faith because it's a It's a collection of stories of great heroes of the Old Testament. Heroes of the faith. We'll be spending weeks looking at their stories. But I think sometimes these people seem so far removed from us. They are ancient. They're from ancient history. Back in the Old Testament, they are heroes. They seem so much bigger than life. They seem far removed from our world of iPhones and iPads and Instagram and cars and commutes. And while we are far removed by time, while we are removed from their culture and from their language, yet their stories are anything but dusty. They were ordinary people like you and like me. People whose stories are here precisely so that we can learn from them and learn from their examples. Because while culture has changed and languages have changed and and uh, uh, society has changed, human nature remains the same. These people of old, it says, were commended. They were commended. Literally, it means that they received a favorable witness. This word commended is a, the Greek word is used to describe a witness who was summoned to court to testify about what someone did or someone said. And in this case, the witness is God. And God is reporting on the actions of these, these Old Testament heroes. He is, he is giving his approval as he testifies to their faith. There's a dear brother here in the chapel who every so often sends me an email message saying, attaboy. <laughs> it lifts my spirits. We all like to hear great job from someone. How much infinitely greater it would be, far greater to hear those words from God. Attaboy! Would you one day love to hear God give an attaboy for you? Well, 
that begins with becoming one of God's children. Becoming a child of God is a matter of faith. And that's where all of this begins by faith. It's by believing that God sent Jesus to die for your sins so that your sins can be forgiven, that you can have eternal life in heaven. John 3.16 tells us that uh, tells us exactly that God offers this free gift to anyone, to everyone who will believe in Jesus by faith. That even means you. Then he calls for us as his children to live by faith, to trust his promises, to live as children of heaven who are only passing through this life as we've just seen, to have that assurance in His promises. Then when we face difficulties, and then when we face doubts, and then when we face those things we really don't understand, the things we cannot see, then we stand confidently by faith in the reality of what we know of God's love, of what we know of God's faithfulness, of His character, His truth, and His grace. God loves it when His people dare to trust in Him. When they do, our passage tells us He bears witness to the world or bears witness in the courts of heaven or wherever He chooses. God bears testimony and witness that He is proud of and that He approves of His child. He says, good job, attaboy, well done, good and faithful servant. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for giving us sweet and precious promises, for rescuing us from uh, the guilt of our sin through Jesus, for giving us a glorious and eternal destiny, for giving us your word so we can hear, learn of you, We can learn of Your promises. Father, help us to remember that heaven is our home. Give us courage and give us strength and give us confidence as we remember that You are our faithful and loving Father. Lord, we ask especially that You would be near to us and bring these truths home to our minds and our hearts in these difficult days. These things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.